Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Less Rock, Less Talk, More Soft, our special series of mini-sodes that we're doing for the month of April. We decide, since life is so hectic and harsh right now, we're going to provide you with some mellow tunes. Now, normally, this show is Less Rock, More Talk. We cover the rock charts, but for the month of April, we are covering the adult contemporary easy listening charts. We're going back into the uh, the vaults of Billboard charts, thanks to my Billboard Pro account, available for eleven seventy four a month. You can also access all the Billboard charts since uh, their inception in the nineteen fifties. But uh, yeah, we're going with the mellow side. We're going to go back to a time. Uh, now, normally this show, I go back to times when I was a very small child or not even, I was just a gleam in my father's eyes, but this week we're going to just go back 15 years ago, which seems like a long time and it doesn't seem like that long ago. April 23rd, 2005, uh, the number one movie on the box office is The Interpreter with Charlize Theron and Sean Penn, which is a movie that I barely remember at all. Uh, but it was the first movie to shoot in the United Nations. Uh, it was about a UN interpreter. Uh, so I guess, you know, enough people in April 2005 were like, oh, I want to see what a movie shot in the United Nations looks like. And so they did. $22 million that week. That's a lot more than the box office uh, number one hit. This year, um, on April 23rd, uh, the n- Saturday Night Live, I like to d- discuss what was on Saturday Night Live this week of the charts, off week for Saturday Night Live, but the 2004-2005 season of Saturday Night Live is one of the worst seasons in the history of Saturday Night Live, and I remember uh, very vividly hate-watching Saturday Night Live a lot in the mid-aughts, uh, a cast that is pretty good on paper. Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Seth Meyers, uh, Daryl Hammond, Keaton Thompson, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, Maya Rudolph. Um, a lot of good people, a lot of talented people in the cast, but a lot of them were not at their best on Saturday Night Live. Uh, this is the year after Jimmy Fallon left, but the year before Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Jason Sudeikis, and Christian Wig entered, and it was... It was such a bad season. It was season 30 of SNL. They didn't even have a 30th anniversary special. It was an election year. And I'll ask you, how many memorable John Kerry and George Bush sketches do you remember? Not very many. This is uh, I, We did a 2004 episode of Less Rock, uh, More Talk. And I, I bagged on season 30 of SNL then. But I, like I asked my uh, co-host, Nick, on that episode, can you even remember who played George Bush and John Kerry in 2004? No, it wasn't Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell left in 2001, or 2002. Yeah, 01, 02 was his last season. He left two years before. Uh, it was Will Forte as George W. Bush. Seth Meyers, his iconic impression of John Kerry. But, I mean, I guess it was kind of a forgettable presidential race. Uh, so I guess it doesn't lend itself to parody. Swift Boat Veterans for Truth. Can't really find I had I have a hard time thinking of a comic, comic angle on it. It's one of those, I guess that's when, you know, presidential elections, they started becoming, that's the beginning of them being so absurd that it's hard to parody. Um, John Kerry ordered, tried to order Swiss cheese 
on a Philly cheesesteak once. That's pretty funny. I digress. Enough about Saturday Night Live. I could talk about it all day. Maybe I will. Um, let's get to the countdown. So April 23rd, 2005. This is a, like adult contemporary, I think, is really big in the mid-aughts. I think second-term Republican president, that's like prime, prime adult contemporary time. So let's get started with the list. Coming in at number 10 off of their one of their last albums is Daryl Hall and John Oates with their cover of The Spinner's I'll Be Around. It's off their 2004 album, Our Kind of Soul. I love 70s Hall and Oates, 80s Hall and Oates, but I always get the sense that uh, they aren't, outside of their passion projects, John Oates' solo career, Daryl Hall's uh, web series, Live from Daryl's House, they really just stopped giving a shit about 30 years ago. It's just like, all right, well, we're going to record a cover of uh, a Philly Soul song from when we were younger. And, you know, it's big 2004, so our kind of soul is a uh album of R&B covers, 70s R&B covers. This is around the time of uh, Rod Stewart's Great American Songbook, so it just feels very kind of uh, mercenary, very kind of rote. I like call notes, but uh, yeah, and just really just coasting on their, their past reputation uh, when they're together. When they're solo, um, you know, you can sense their passion, but uh, yeah. They just, it, it, I think this is their last, uh, they recorded a Christmas album after this in 2006, but then they're just like, nah, we're just, nobody cares anymore. Even if we record covers of old songs, we're just going to play very mechanical versions of our old hits every summer. Not good live. I hate to say it. I love Hall Notes' peak work, but, uh, if, you know, of all the half-assed nostalgia acts, they are one of the most half-assed. I hate to admit it. People will see them. People like hearing the classic hits, even if they're just kind of very mechanical and rote. They probably don't like each other. It's like a musical equivalent of a loveless marriage. They probably would have been a lot happier if they broke up in the late 80s. But uh, they stay together for the kids because everybody wants to hear Maneater and Private Eyes at all, uh, every summer. So, you know, good for them. I'm through... I'm sure Daryl Hall is not living with any regrets. Um, uh, all right, but beyond uh, or John Oates, I don't want to. I saw I was reading about Daryl Hall and John Oates while I was researching this podcast, and they were they're very adamant about calling them Daryl Hall and John Oates. And John Oates was like, "We don't want it to be like a big power play, like Hall and Oates is like a two headed monster." It's like I don't get how Daryl Hall and John Oates is any better. It's just more verbose. I'm really bagging on Hall and Oates on this episode, and I, I like Hall and Oates, but uh, not when I have to listen to anything that they've made after 1987. Um, okay, coming in at number nine is Keith Herbin. Herbin? Keith Urban, Australian uh, country sensation. And I guess around this time, maybe a little bit earlier, around the early, mid-2000s, the line between country and adult contemporary kind of blurred. Um, this is a song off his album Days Go By called You'll Think of Me. It came in at number nine this week in 2005. Um, one of his big first big crossover albums. But yeah, around the time 2002, in the early mid-2000s, adult contemporary and country kind of started just kind of becoming very similar. And uh, in a lot of ways, there's a, you'll, this is the first of a couple country songs on this chart. 
Keith Urban, his big influence on his life was John Mellencamp. He saw John Mellencamp, I believe, on the Lonesome Jubilee tour in the late 80s, and that inspired him to be music, to do music. So he's kind of, you know, it leans more towards John Mellencamp than, say, Hank Williams, first or second, uh, especially the first one. But, you know, it's a fine country ballad. Up next, coming in at number eight, Country, another country song, uh, uh, songstress. Uh, I, I don't, not another a country songstress. I didn't want to misgender uh, Keith Keith Urban. Almost called him Keith Hebert, former Less Rock, more talk guest. Uh, Martina McBride off her album Martina, two thousand three, called "In My Daughter's Eyes." Um, pretty sappy. I don't have a lot to say about this one. Okay, number seven, moving on, is uh, the Goo Goo Dolls with their uh, cover of the Super Tramps' Give a Little Bit that was recorded uh, at their... It was a, released as a standalone single. It was the lead-off track on their live album, Live in Buffalo. Um, yeah, and this is Goo Goo Dolls. We've talked about them before. On this show, on less on less rock, more talk. They were a rock artist. Um, started off as kind of an alt rock band in the vein of the Replacements, but by 2005, they've definitely uh, veered into the uh, the realm of adult contemporary. And this song, covering a Super Tramp song, really is like we we don't care at all anymore about rock credibility. Uh, we just wanna. We just want to make people happy. It's not a bad cover. It's a better cover than the Hall and Oates cover, but you know, it's not 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 a passion project, shall we say? Coming in at number six, um, this is a band that inspires a lot of feelings in people. I guess. I mean, the front man, really. The band doesn't inspire a lot of feelings. The front man uh, is very disliked in the year 2020, but in 2005, he was just an uh, upcoming heartthrob. Uh, Maroon 5 coming in at number six with their single She Will Be Loved off of their debut album, Songs About Jane. This, was, uh, this album, Songs About Jane, was a slow-burning, monstrous hit. It wasn't like an overnight breakout sensation. It came out in 2002, but it was still getting radio airplay in 2005. And this was probably, I would imagine, I, I didn't look it up. Um, you know, since we've been in quarantine and isolation, I uh, my research skills have gotten shoddy. But I would imagine, just having lived in 2005, I feel like this was probably the biggest hit off of songs about Jane. Um, this got tons of crossover airplay. You know, it's hard to believe now in the year 2020, but Maroon 5, it was originally kind of pitched sort of as an alternative band. It was kind of hard to pigeonhole. And I think that's probably why it took a little bit uh, for the album songs about Jane to uh, gain traction because they were kind of, uh, I remember they were played on alternative rock stations. Like the, the, their first single, Harder to Breathe, was played on uh, a, alternative rock stations. And uh, 
this love was kind of more towards the pop R&B range. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, um, they're a band that their music, uh, it's hard to imagine somebody getting like, uh, really passionate about Maroon 5, but I think it's hard to really dislike. Just kind of like something for everybody to like but nobody to love. Um, until, I guess, apparently their frontman became a very punchable-looking uh, douche. I don't I don't personally mind Adam Levine, but a lot of people just hate him with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. And they were the Super Bowl halftime show, probably for the reasons that I was mentioning a couple of years ago. But, uh, no, but like I said, you, you know, you got to get people, it's got to be a band people are excited about. And nobody was really that excited when Maroon 5 was the, the Super Bowl halftime show. It's fine music to listen to while you're waiting for mozzarella sticks at Applebee's. But you don't want, you don't want it on the biggest sporting event of the year. Um, just bear with me one moment. Oh, yeah, the band's, uh, yeah, this is, see, right, right, what I'm saying. You know, I like to give people uh, a good minute of silence while I'm looking stuff up that I could have looked up before the show. But this was, uh, I, I'm reading about She Will Be Loved. It was uh, their biggest hit, and uh, it caused adult rock, uh, uh, alternative rock stations to pull Maroon 5 from their playlist. But it was a massive hit. Uh, coming in at number five. Oh, we're getting all the 2000s soft rock staples. Michael Bublé with a song called Home. And this is a kind of a crossover hit. You know, he initially got his start as somebody that sang standards. But Home is kind of like a modern day 2000s attempt at a standard. And it really kind of paid off for him. It became a Blake Shelton covered it and it became a number one country hit in 2008. Um, and the British boy band Westlife covered it, and that became a top, a big hit in England. And this was a number one adult contemporary hit. And it's a very, you know, again, nothing to get excited about, but it's a very, very solid attempt at a modern day version of a standard. Good job, Michael Bublé. Coming in at number four, Tim McGraw, Live Like You Are Dying uh, song. Dedicated to his late father, Tug McGraw, Philadelphia Phillies closer, days of yore. Um, again, um, I've been it's high holidays recently, so I've been thinking a lot and listening to Tim McGraw. Because that's, you know, when you don't want to get a little, uh, you want a little puff, a little jazz cigarette, nothing better than putting on some Tim McGraw. And I get, well, I was listening to this song, I came to the realization, it's like, it's adult contemporary, because these are songs with adult themes. He's dealing with uh, his dead dad, Michael Bublé, dealing with being a home, home away from his wife. Martina McBride's talking about her kids. That's why they call it adult contemporary. 
Because they're songs for adults. Think about it. This is the worst episode we've ever done. Uh, coming in at number three, you got John Mayer with Daughters off of his second album, Heavier Things. I, I'm not a John Mayer hater. Again, like Adam Levine, he's very unpopular. I understand probably... Many people in the audience, all of our listeners across the United States and in Finland, probably have a deep-seated hatred of John Mayer. But he's a he's a good he's a he's a very talented guitarist, singer, songwriter. Gets in his way a lot. Uh, just uh, it's like Daniel Larusso and the Karate Kid. He just pisses off everybody in town. Um, I I don't know who his Mr. Miyagi would be, Mr. Eric Clapton. That's not right. Um, Daughters is uh, really... Oof. Song is not aged well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to move on. Coming in at number two, uh, Los Lonely Boys out of San Angelo, Texas, with their breakout hit. Maybe their only chart hit of heaven. Los Lonely Bands is a Texas Mexican-American... Rock and Roll Band. This is a song that uh, directly targeted for people that thought uh, Santana's Shaman was a little bit too soft, but Santana's Supernatural was a little bit too hard. It's very like Latin soft, Latin brand soft rock. Pleasant song. Again, like I, uh, I just imagine myself drinking iced tea and an Applebee's and uh, zoning out while this song plays in the background. All right, coming at number one, we had all these soft rock heavyweights. And coming in at number one, kind of a harbinger of the future. And by the future, since this is the adult contemporary charts, this is two years ago. But Kelly Clarkson, off her album Breakaway, the title track off the song Breakaway, this was a song that was seventh week at number one, and it would be number one on the adult contemporary charts for something like 13 or 14 weeks. Uh, this is kind of like a bridge song. It was very smart marketing um, from whoever was putting, the A&R guy that was in charge of this Kelly Clarkson album. That This song came out as the first single of Breakaway because um, it's kind of like a bridge between Breakaway and then uh, Breakaway is kind of a bridge between her American Idol type stuff, like... Uh, a moment like this and since you've been gone, which is a later single off of breakaway. Like if you, uh, you released since you've been gone as the first single off the album might jar people. That's Kelly Clarkson doing that kind of fun, badass pop rock that, uh, you know, led her on a long road to become a daytime talk show host beloved by millions, including my father, uh, 21 non-consecutive weeks. So Breakaway was number one for 21 non-consecutive weeks. Just kind of a, you know, harbinger of things to come for Kelly Clarkson. She's breaking away from her American Idol machine and uh, becoming her own woman. And it was on the soundtrack to The Princess Diaries, too. So, I mean, that was a great choice from the producers of The Princess Diaries, too. So very, uh, you know, female empowerment. Right on, sister. All right, so let's do our fave five, my top five for the week. I am, oof, 
I'm going to go... Uh, do I like five songs on this? I guess I'll go with the Goo Goo Dolls cover of Super Tramps Give a Little Bit. And then I'll go with Michael Bublé's Home. And then Maroon 5, She Will Be Loved. Number two, I'll say Kelly Clarkson's Breakaway, which is the number one song. And I'm going to go Tim McGraw, Live Like You're Dying. Uh, that's a very powerful song. Uh, enjoy your enjoy every moment like it was your last. All right, so next next week on the show, my reflexes are off. This is a twenty minute episode, and about eight minutes of it was me staring into the to the void. Uh, next week we're going back. Uh, to the 2000s, earlier in the 2000s. We're going to April 29th, 2000. 20 years ago, this week, next week. Ah, ha, ha. Um, we got songs from all the early 2000s pop uh, adult contemporary greats, plus early uh, adult, adult contemporary greats of the past. Um, so, yeah, follow. My name's Connor McGrath. I am your host. And follow Less Rock, More Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Connor McGrath Comedy on Facebook. And we will be back next week, next Wednesday, with another episode dedicated to April 29th, 2000. But I hope you enjoyed this very meandering look back at mid-aughts adult contemporary. Until next week, this is Connor McGrath with Less Rock, Less Talk more soft. Good day!